Today on the Bourbon Bites Podcast, I'm reviewing EJ Curley & Co. Single Barrel Bourbon Whiskey and talking about new releases from Kentucky Owl and more. Hello and welcome back to the Bourbon Bites Podcast, or welcome to the Bourbon Bites Podcast if this is your first time listening. My name is Clifton, and today I am reviewing a sample from one of you guys. So this sample comes to me from my good friend, Todd Koopa, who is a patron of this show, as well as good friend of mine, let's be real. And he sent me a sample of this EJ Curly & Co. single barrel. So this is a relatively new release. It is right now Kentucky only, but they do have plans to expand outside of the area. And this one's really cool because it is one of the legacy brands of Kentucky. It actually originated back in the 1860s. Hasn't been distilling for a very, very long time, but they're planning to establish a new facility in Jessamine County, Kentucky. And they plan to have it located at Camp Nelson. Now, if you are a bourbon fan or you've been listening to this podcast or other podcasts, you know Camp Nelson is known for their rickhouses that store wild turkey bourbon. So a lot of people feel like they are the honey barrels of wild wild turkey. Something about those rickhouses there have really made a name for themselves. So this distillery is actually going to be located at the same location. So for now, they of course haven't finished building the distillery and at this point they are sourcing this release. There's both a single barrel and a small batch. Um, It's non-age dated. We do know it's a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. There's been rumors that they're sourcing from wild turkey because of the whole Camp Nelson thing. I don't know. There's no confirmation. I know a few other people who have reviewed this have kind of hinted that it taste like that, Um, but I'm excited to get into it and see what I think of EJ Curly & Co. Single Barrel Bourbon Whiskey. I know that was a really quick overview of the brand and the new distillery. If you want more details, you can either listen to my friend Perry. This is my bourbon podcast. He did a full interview with the folks from the brand. Um, Also, my friend Jason from the Mash and Drum did a review of this whiskey. Went really into the history of the brand, you know, leading up to Prohibition and the fact that this new distillery is going to bring a lot of new jobs to the area. So definitely check out my friend's uh, videos and podcast on this. But I wanted to give my impressions because I know Todd wanted to hear my thoughts on this one. So let's go ahead and get a poured. So this one comes in at 121.1 proof, Um, and I know that Jason that I mentioned earlier, his his barrel was the exact same proof, so I don't know if this is the same barrel that he got, or maybe it's just the same proof coincidentally, I don't know, but this is cast strength. And not only do they not reveal the source, they also don't reveal the mash bill they're using, which is very frustrating. I feel like that's probably because the mash bill will be a dead giveaway of what the whiskey actually is. So we don't know the age or the mash bill or any of that about this release. It does come in at 65 to $70, which based on that information alone is pretty steep. I mean, y'all know I am no stranger to sourced whiskey. I really enjoy some of the sourced stuff from Indiana or from some Kentucky distilleries. Um, I just appreciate more than anything transparency. So the fact that they're not transparent about age, you know, mash bill, where they're sourcing from, um, it's, it's, it's very frustrating as a consumer. And I, you know, $65 to $70, we'll see how it stands up to that. But just on paper, I'm not liking the sound of that. I will say, though, the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It has a really nice metallic-looking label on it. It looks very, very prominent. So maybe some of that money went into the branding. But uh, we'll see. You know, that's that's pretty steep for a uh, non-aged state of bourbon. But let's go ahead and give it a nose. Oh man, right off the bat, I'm getting the, not just the the proof, because you can tell this is a high proof whiskey, but there's a bit of spiciness, like a rye spice right up front. And I'm not sure if I mentioned, but this is a Kentucky bourbon, so wherever they're sourcing from, it's not like Indiana or anything like that. But the nose is very, very familiar. 
can't really place it on that alone, but it's got like a nice like floral element to it too. This might sound crazy, but there's something about it that reminds me of like yellow flowers. I don't think of it. I've gotten like white flowers as a note before. Something about this though, I don't know if it's like, not sunflowers, but maybe like daisies. I don't know. It's got a very unique floral characteristic. And along with those two notes, I'm also getting a lot of oak. I mean, I wasn't expecting this. I, I honestly thought it was probably gonna be pretty young. Um, which was one of my concerns with the price. But I will say, it does smell like a really well-aged, balanced bourbon. I'm not getting that corn sweetness that I typically get on a super young product. Yeah, I mean, nose-wise, this smells like a really good bourbon, so I'm gonna have to give it a taste. Cheers. Mmm, that's really good. It is a little less familiar now that I've tasted it. Um, again, you know, my goal is not trying to figure out where this is sourced from. I don't know. It could be anywhere. It could be a custom mash bill for all we know. Compared to the nose where I felt like I was missing a little bit of that corn element, it's definitely here on the palate. I mean, it's it's a little bit of that like dusty kind of corn, um, corn grain note, but it's not, it doesn't taste youthful. Again, I'm really surprised. I, I guess I was expecting this to be younger because there was no age statement, but this tastes like it has some good age on it. There's a really nice oak backbone here that really complements the, the dusty corn kind of note, um, but also that, that rice spice that I got on the nose, it's, it's definitely back here. And that's a note I always attribute to wild turkey bourbon. So again, I can't say for sure. I, and I'm also saying I'm not the you know best authority when it comes to figuring out <laughs> where things are sourced from. Although I did, you know, move on to the semifinals of Matt Madness on ADHD Whiskey's channel. Um, but I, I'm definitely getting some wild turkey kind of notes here. It's a little different. It kind of is reminding me of like a age range closer to like a wild turkey 101 than like a Russell's Reserve. So I'm guessing maybe five to seven years old. But that's just a guess off the top of my head. I will say it doesn't taste like, you know, Bardstone Bourbon Company. I've had some stuff sourced from there. To me, that one has a very, very youthful corn sweetness, at least at this point in time. I also feel like this probably isn't Barton, which is probably the most commonly sourced Kentucky distillate. I mean, if it's not sourced from Indiana, it's usually sourced from Barton. And Barton, to me, always has a bit of a um, kind of like a banana funkiness to it. Um, sometimes I really like it depending on the product, whether it's, you know, the older releases. Sometimes I really dislike it compared to the younger releases. Um, this doesn't have any of that funk, so I'm very, very, I'm not certain, but I'm pretty confident that this is not sourced from Barton. But if this is from Wild Turkey, it is unlike any product I've had from them in terms of the fact that it tastes pretty young, but it's so high proof. We're talking 121.1 proof. It's also a single barrel, which, you know, unless you get a Russell's Reserve or a special release like Single Castination, you're really not getting to try, you know, single barrels from them at high proof. So that alone makes it almost impossible to tell, you know, for sure if this is <laughs> Wild Turkey, but I definitely would lean that direction. It seems like a good move for them being, you know, based in Camp Nelson. It seems like a nice ode to the location and what's kind of made it famous lately. But with that aside, I'll stop talking about, you know, what I think this is. I'm just going to talk about the bourbon, you know, coming in at 65 to $70. Do I recommend this bourbon? I will say I was extremely hesitant to recommend this. I, I was just expecting this to be, you know, one of those new releases, legacy brands that kind of just doesn't tell us anything about where they're getting it from until they're able to make their own. However, this is very different. This is a great bourbon. I think for the price, you know, if this had any other label on it, maybe something we're more familiar with, I think it would easily justify that $65 to $70 price point. Do I wish we had more information? Absolutely. And that makes it that makes it tough because I do recommend this based on trying it. But again, it is a single barrel. You know, these do vary. There's also a small batch version. I haven't tried that one. Um, but this particular barrel, um, <laughs> it's it's pretty great. 
It's got a lot of spiciness up front, but it has a nice balance of wood and sweetness. And you know, I'm keep revisiting it. I'm getting a little bit more of like a fruitiness to it now. It's I want to say like strawberry shortcake. Something about that comes to mind. I don't know if it's necessarily the like a ripe strawberry. It's almost like a like a tart strawberry note. But the corn sweetness could also be interpreted as kind of like a creaminess. So this does have the cream element to it. Um, it's just kind of like a tart, kind of like you know sometimes when you have a fruit that dries out your mouth a little bit. I'm getting that, and of course that's most likely from the oak. But the first First fruit comes to mind is like a strawberry, especially a strawberry shortcake. So take that for what you will, but the dominant thing here is that rice spice, that oak, and the corn kind of dusty sweetness. I really like it. So you may know my rating system here is out of 8 because we love all things 8-bit. And considering the price, the lack of information, but the really cool bottle and really cool legacy brand that's kind of starting up and creating this new distillery that's going to, you know, be the first in the area for, for several, several hundred years, I would give this a 6 out of 8. So I, I feel like this is a really solid bourbon. It is a single barrel, so you know your mileage may vary depending on what bottle you have. I think it's a little pricey. You know, I would like to see it closer to 50 to $55. I think that would be a better price point for it just based on taste alone. I also would like to see more transparency. I know contracts kind of you know limit what you can share, but even if you could give us like a hint or you know even a mash bill, I think like a mash bill is super important, especially for us bourbon nerds. We'd love to hear, you know, what's going into the bottle that, that we're tasting. So I think, you know, if they gave us one of those two things, either more information like an age statement or a mash bill, I mean, especially age statement, like why, why are you hiding that? I feel like age statement should be a given because that doesn't reveal what distillery made this. It just reveals how old it is. So I think the only reason to not include an age statement is because you're hiding that it's a little young. But you know what? If it's young and this good, I, I cannot complain. So I don't know. I feel like you're under a different type of um, expectations when you're sourcing versus your own distillate. I understand if you're a distillery and you think your stuff is good and you know putting a three, four, five year age statement on it might deter people away from trying it. I, I get that. But when you're sourcing, I think the more transparency, the better. And I think if you had more transparency, I think I would bump this up to a seven out of eight. So as is at the price, six out of eight. But I will say this is a really damn good bourbon. So thank you again, Todd Cooper, for providing the sample. If y'all ever want me to review something, whether it's a local product or just something you've been enjoying lately, feel free to shoot me a message on our Discord server, um, which you can join at bourbonbites.com. There's a link down at the bottom to join. You can download it on your phone or on desktop. Um, you can also just send me an email, contact at bourbonbites.com. I'll give you the info to get that sent out to me, and I will, of course, give you a shout-out on the podcast or YouTube live stream uh, whenever I review the whiskey. So I always love trying things that you guys have been enjoying, and I do have a few coming up soon that friends are sending me um, from distilleries that they happen to work at, which I'm very, very excited for. I won't name names, but there's there's two friends that work at two different distilleries that are working on getting me a sample, so I'm very, very excited to try those. But yeah, this EJ Curly is great, especially the single barrel, and I'm really excited for what's to come with the new distillery, and even, you know, this source stuff is really, really great. I, I definitely would seek out a bottle once it makes its way to Southern California. <laughs> So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, these these brands, these legacy brands that are starting up again, that happen to be sourcing from other locations. Are you with me in the fact that you feel like if you're sourcing, you need to be a little more transparent, um, especially in 2022? You know, we had the dilemma when people first started sourcing from MGP, you know, they were definitely not being transparent. But I think now as, as bourbon nerds, we've kind of accepted that sourcing is the norm and we appreciate, at least some of us, I really enjoy sourced whiskey. I just want you to tell me about it to the extent that you can, you know, based on the contract, but come on, give us, give us a little hint, you know? <laughs>
But enough about that. Um, let's move on to some new TTB labels that have been coming out that I thought were worth mentioning. Of course, big shout out to our friend at Coming Whiskey over on Instagram. Um, that's where a lot of us get our breaking news when it comes to new labels. Um, definitely give him a follow. But these are a couple that caught my eye and I did a little bit of digging on a few of them. So the first of which is a new Kentucky Owl Bourbon. Now this is through the Wise Man's Bourbon line, one of their more approachable, affordable releases. Um, this one is called the Takumi Edition. Now this is my South Carolina accent coming out. These are Japanese words and names. I know I'm going to probably Probably butchered them. So this is actually a collaboration between Kentucky Owl Master Blender John Rea. Um, I may also be mispronouncing that. I mean, <laughs> I can't even pronounce English names, y'all. And Japanese Master Blender Yahisa Yazuki, and he is from Nagahama Japanese Whiskey. Now this is one that I'm not familiar with. Um, I looked up some pictures. It, it looks familiar, but I most likely have not tried it unless some of my friends have given it to me and I just have forgotten. So, but he's a very legendary name in the Japanese whiskey world. He's also worked with several other brands. I don't know if it's like a consultant thing or he's a blender for other brands but um, he's definitely made a name for himself there so this sounds very familiar I don't know if you guys remember a few years back or I guess they're still making it Legent which was a Jim Beam and Centauri collaboration basically the exact same concept this is still a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey they are just working with a master blender from Japan and a master blender from Kentucky and combining their expertise to just select the right barrels do some unique flavor profile blending and decide on a uh, blend that is the Takumi edition. So I, we've seen it before. This definitely is an original. Um, I do have mixed feelings about Kentucky Owl. They've had some really great products, you know, especially their Rise. Um, their products are very expensive. I have not tried the Wise Man line, um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and say that. I've heard, you know, at least it's a better price compared to some of the other releases <clears throat> confiscated. Uh, so I, I I don't know. I just, I feel like this is lacking ingenuity. Like, I don't know. It's just been done before. And that's not to say it's going to be a bad product. I, I would be interested to try it. But Legion was really cool. Now, Legion had its issues. I think it was marketed the wrong way. A lot of people thought it was actually a blend of Kentucky bourbon and Japanese whiskey. It wasn't. It was just Kentucky bourbon that was blended from a Japanese perspective. Again, which is really cool. I like the bottle too. Legion, I think Legion, you know, for the price, it, it was good. It went on sale often and I got it on sale a couple times. Um, but it, you know, it was kind of gimmicky. This though, it's like you're gimmicky and you're also stealing an idea that's been done before. And it's not like, you know, this was in the works while Legion was being developed. No, Legion's been out a couple years. So I'm curious. I, I would definitely want to try it. I just hope this isn't just like a quick cash grab gimmick, kind of like the St. Patrick's Day edition. I reviewed that over on YouTube. I was not impressed. I thought it tasted youthful. I also think like, you know, releasing a, a, a whiskey that's only relevant for one day of the year is kind of a weird decision. Uh, so I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about the direction Kentucky Owl is going. Um, it just it just doesn't s sit right with me, I guess. Um, but again, I have not tried any of the Wise Man lines, so um, it could be great. But it, it just based on the information I have here, uh, I'm a little suspicious about it. But hey, that's that's just the label, so we'll see how it is. We'll wait till the reviews come out. One that is a little more interesting is a Frey Ranch release. This is part of their Malted Grain series, and this is going to be a 100% malted corn whiskey. Um, first of all, did not know that was a thing. I did not know that was possible, but apparently it is possible to malt corn and turn it into whiskey. 
It's apparently much, much harder to do, but it is something that can be done. There's also a couple other labels that came out the exact same time um, from this malted grain series. One is a single malt and one is a quad malt. So it seems like they're combining all of their malted uh, grains together. I don't know if they're doing the blending before or after the fat. Again, just going off the label here, but um, I assume we'll learn a lot about that real soon. A couple other interesting ones include a new Redwood Empire Cask Strength Edition of Lost Monarch, one of a lot of people's favorite product from the brand. This is a blend of straight whiskeys. It's combining a rye whiskey and a bourbon whiskey. I believe they're still sourcing. Again, I don't know for sure whether this is going to be a sourced release or it's going to be their own distillate, um, but they do all of their aging in Northern California. Um, they really praise the climate there and how it affects the whiskey. And I got to say, I really do enjoy Lost Monarch, so I can't wait to try it at Cask strength. That sounds like it's going to be really, really good, especially if it's a good price. And lastly, there's one more that I just thought was so off the wall that I had to mention. This one is a product from Brothers Wright Reserve, and this is a single barrel coal mine aged Kentucky straight bourbon. So this is apparently the very first coal mine aged bourbon. So it's from the coal fields of Eastern Kentucky. They say that their unique aging process brings a new complexity to the bourbon field, exploring uncharted aging environments. Our four grain mash bill packs the flavor and quality you need for mixing a perfect cocktail or sipping neat. So I think this is really interesting. Now, as, as you may or may not know, coal mines typically retain a, a constant temperature. There's not very much fluctuation like there is on the surface. So, you know, usually this is a cooler environment. You know, sometimes it's a little humid. So I am very, very curious to see how this bourbon will react to this environment. I mean, we know a lot of Kentucky bourbon, it thrives on the variation of temperature going in and out of the barrel, you know. So people are saying that this might be similar to kind of how some, you know, cognac is aged because a lot of times that is down in like the cellar of the, the wineries. So I'm interested for sure. I don't know if this would taste like any other bourbon I've ever had before other than like younger bourbon. I just think this is super interesting. It's going to be released at 102 proof. Uh, so yeah, this is something that I would buy just for the curiosity of how coal mine aged bourbon tastes. Let me know if you think it's just a gimmick or you're also curious because I think without that fluctuation, you know, what, what's going to happen with this whiskey? I'm, I'm extremely curious. But with that, I think that does it for this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing about these new releases coming out soon and my review of the EJ Curly & Co. Single Barrel. If you want to support the show, you can for as little as $2 a month on Patreon, patreon.com slash bourbonbites. You get access to polls, things to shape the future of the podcast and YouTube channel, and early access to my videos. Of course, at the higher tiers, you get access to things like our monthly hangout, our after-party hangout, and our private subscription box tasting that we do every month. So like I said, patreon.com slash bourbonbites. But most of all, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Bourbon Bites Podcast. Cheers, and I'll talk to you next episode.